Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have singer-songwriter Jill Sobel. In this episode, Jill talks about her music, an upcoming show at the Greenwich Odium on April 9th. Told me about Fred, he's such a hairy behemoth She said, dumb as a box of hammers But he's such a handsome guy And I opened up and I told her about Larry And yesterday how he asked me to marry And I'm not giving him an answer yet I think I can do better So we laugh, compared notes We had a drink, we had a smoke She took off her overcoat I kissed a girl I kissed a girl She called home to say she'd be late He said he worried but now he feels safe I'm glad you're with your girlfriend Tell her hi for me And then I looked at you, you had guilt in your eyes But it only lasted a little while And then I felt your hand above my knee And we laughed at the world They can have their diamonds and we'll have our pearls I kissed a girl time zones and i just messed up no problem now so i hope you can take me yes yes it's it's fine i was just uh cleaning up cat puke oh that's a good time (laughs) that's always fun she just decided to puke while i was waiting for you to call so i was occupied i guess guess she was not that pleased with my tardiness (laughs) 
So, are you in California right now? Right now, I'm in Rochester. I just got here. Oh, you're in New York. Yeah. Okay. I'm playing tonight in Rochester. Where are you playing tonight? A thing called the Little Theater. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, but I, I've got to, uh, I'm just getting ready, doing some vocals, getting a late start, mind you. Do you have time to talk or do you want to do it another time? No, let's do it. Okay. So do you have that strange little guitar with you? You know what? It's right on my lap right now. <laughs> What kind of guitar is that? Well, it's 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 called a Vagabond Travel Guitar. And a guy named Kevin Smith, I think his daughter now makes them. He's out of Al Albany. And he was, you know, way before Martin. He was the one that first one that did these travel guitars. And I got one years ago. And I decided to, you know, it's not something you, you want to play. Like if you're doing a house concert, it doesn't have much volume. But for Grins, I, they, he put a cape, cape, I'm a pickup in it and I plug it in and it sounds really good plugged in so it's been my kind of you know I went away for it for a while with an adult size guitar but I'm back to this little guy everyone likes it better yeah it, it, I saw a few videos with you playing that and I just thought it was kind of cool yeah it's a great little guitar I have um I have my travel guitar as a, a voyage air what's that it folds in half. Oh, how is that? It's it's kind of cool. It's a it's a three quarter size acoustic, and uh, it has a little where the strap button is on the neck. It's a knob, and it just unscrews, and the neck folds. They have this patented hinge, and it just folds in half, and it's and then you put it back together, and it stays in tune. It comes back in tune, which is amazing. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually have a pickup for it. I haven't put it in there because I was planning on doing some traveling and playing some gigs uh, out and about but i just kind of shelved that for a while no it's great and and i put it through i have a tube di direct box which uh, which gives it this kind of warmth and depth so it, it it adds to it what kind of tube di is it it's it, i've had it forever it's called a demeter i got my rig together is that all you use as a as a the tube thing on your guitar yeah well i uh this time out, I brought a little, usually I do it for electric, but I brought a little pedal board that's just got some, you know, fun little effects. So I thought I'd bring it with me. So are you playing solo? I'm solo. Okay. I, I see that Anche is opening for you at the Greenwich Odium. That who is? Anche Duvacar. Yeah. Do you know her? No, but I've heard good things. Oh, okay. I thought you knew her because I, I looked at your schedule and you're playing with Amy Spies and um, yeah. a few other folks. I know them from when I used to go to Folk Alliance. Ah, the Folk Alliance. Way yeah. back. I don't go anymore. Did you ever go? You know what? It's so weird. I never went. That's it's probably... Yeah. It, hasn't hasn't affected you at all no i wonder why i never went well it was, it was always on my radar it was fun it was fun but it, you know it kind of lost its point it became a party it became more well, of a party and a long jam than being anything productive a long jam you know what count me out yeah that's that's what it turned into i went for i think i went to like 25 of them and, oh my god uh, yeah i was really a big advocate of them for a while because back in the early 90s it was a way to connect with people before the internet and then the internet came along and it just turned into a big party and it just you know was expensive to go travel around to not really get any payoff from it right i mean i re that that's how i felt 
I used to go to South by Southwest in the early years, and then it just became just so big and right. too much. Too I much. did the, the NACA, the NACA conference for a while, too, the college circuit. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I just remember I did some NACA shows back when, and they got me wrong. I remember a banner that as I was going to go, stand-up comedian, Jill Sobel. <laughs> what do I do now? What do I do? Yeah, those college kids, the thing I found out dealing with all the, a lot of the college kids back then, I mean, I worked at a college then, that's how I got involved in it. I noticed that the college kids, a lot of them were just way too drunk and hung over most of the time at those things to even make it worthwhile, and it was that was even more expensive to, to be involved in. So. Oh my God, I did a few of them though. Yeah. I had, I had fun, but it was, uh, I, it didn't last that long. Yeah, no, it didn't last with, long with me either. We're, I think we're basically the same age i mean i think you're you just turned 61 didn't you yeah yeah i'm gonna be 61 in two months so we're basically the same age so we've been through the same stuff you started out in new york well no i started off in denver colorado oh really i thought i had seen it was new york i'm sorry that's where i well i you know that that denver i played you know i started doing my open mic nights then i had a band and i was a I was hot stuff in suburban Denver, Colorado, mind you. <laughs> and then before, oh, this is interesting. Before I left, I did my goodbye to, to Denver show. And I was going to move, well, I did move to uh, N- New York City. And I did my show. And there was a guy from a publishing company who just happened to be in town. He was with Warner Chapel out of Nashville. And he saw my show and he liked me and he wanted me to come down to Nashville. And then Nashville had this thing called Nashville Extravaganza, which was their version of South by Southwest. And mm-hmm. there was all these NR people there. So I did a show. I brought my band from Denver there. And that's when I first got signed. Oh. So so what a funny way. Denver, then Nashville. And then that that's how I got my start. Now, how did you hook up with Todd Rundgren for your first album? Did you choose him or did the label choose him? Well, my A&R person, she was a Todd head. You know those people. <laughs> yes, I do. And I was a Todd fan. I am. But I wasn't necessarily a Todd head. Well, he's a great but, producer. I mean, he's produced a lot of great albums. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, I love Todd. But back then, it might not have been the wisest choice for someone who's first time in the studio. Because he's, he just doesn't have good bedside manners. Now I can deal with it. Now I love him, you know. But back then, it was, you know, I was, I was um, you know, I remember him saying, to me uh you know i did a, a, a vocal and he would go all right that's adequate let's move on to the next one and i'd be like oh god and his girlfriend one michelle his wife at the time goes no for todd that means he really likes it you know? and i think that's true but you know i didn't know so yeah i had my todd runger and experience my first record and then you moved on the next one was joe jackson and that album got shelved it got shelled. Whatever happened and, to it? Well, uh, Universal has it now. And, uh, you know, that that uh, they talked about wanting to uh, put it out. But I'm, 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 I have to revisit it again. You know, I remember feeling iffy about it and stuff. And, and um, But, yeah, there was that. And also Wendy and Lisa did some track. And Wendy and Lisa from Prince's band. Oh, 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 okay. Now, this happened before you, uh, you had your... Your, your hit with I Kissed a Girl. This because that 
this was in the early 90s. And then the mid 90s is when I Kissed a Girl came around. Exactly. Well, Supermodel and Clueless, um, you know, they, they just want, needed a song. And, and um, that was asked me to do it. And, and, and I was happy to do it. I had no idea that the, the, uh, movie was going to be such a hit or i would have put more clips on it in my video that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> i love the supermodel video <laughs> i know they thought it was too weird they really did. i thought it was great because i mean i grew i mean carrie was out when we were young and and i know they thought you know they didn't like the way it looked they did they thought it was too violenty but i thought it was great oh it was, it was a perfect it was perfect and i had so much fun doing it I was waiting to see if you were actually going to drop the bucket on your head, and you did. Well, yeah, and I remember that was really unpleasant. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It was totally unpleasant. But you know what? That's I, I'm I'm a method actor. Yeah, it worked. I I had never seen that video. I watched it last night, and I uh, I just thought that was great. I really liked it. I mean, I got to admit, I mean, my experience with you was I kissed a girl and a couple of other things. And, you know, a big, the thing is, being a singer-songwriter myself, I was more concerned with my own stuff. And I just had peripheral knowledge of people from, you know, if I played gigs with you and that kind of stuff. But now I'm, you know, as I, I've been writing for this column for almost 20 years and, you know, I've Wow. I've spread myself around and and diversified, but I was I I watched a lot of your stuff last night. And I was quite impressed with it. I really like it. Oh wow! Thank and you. Uh, I was particularly like the song that you posted on your. Uh, it was a YouTube video, and it was relatively new, I guess. And it was "You Can't Fuck in Texas" or "Don't Fuck in Texas." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great song. I really liked it. And I like people who write songs like that. I mean, I I saw your thing. Uh, the thing about liberals. Uh, you know. I forget what the name of it was. Something lib. Oh yeah, giving it to the libs. giving it to the libs. Uh, I liked I liked the fact that you, I liked your subject matter in a lot of your songs. I was uh, that's the, I, I, your your lyrics and your subject matter, and you have this quirky kind of um, presentation to it, which makes it even more fun. Yeah, you know the thing about it is, you know, I've always been a kind of uh, activisty political person. But, you know, I, I, I think about doing a song like that, and it always is. I know what I'll say is that, you know, I, I was glad I had a brother six years older who had really good taste in music. And I remember he had the John Prine record, the one, your flag to cow won't get you in. Right, right. And all that. And I was like, I was like, I want to write like that. Because <laughs> there was something about that rather than taking a subject and slamming someone over the head with earnestness is using it as a kind of satire and parody and it has a, it has sometimes more of an effect and sometimes it's sadder even you know yeah it, it works and I, like I said I, I saw that I, I, I didn't really know what to expect when I clicked on that video and I just was like that is a perfect song that's great it was just it works so well I mean, you, you well, create no, these I, characters, I stole, too. I, I stole that song to, uh, from one of my own songs called You Better Not Kill in Texas, which was about the death penalty. Oh, okay. And I have a version of it where I'm singing with Steve Earle, but uh, when when the Texas, the, the abortion law was, you know... I, you know, you can plagiarize from yourself, can you? Oh, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Chuck Berry. Right, right. So that's that's a plagiarized song with different lyrics. <laughs> well, it works. I'm sure it worked the other way too, and that's a that's a 
definitely a subject that's near and dear to Steve Earle's heart, too. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a definitely, I've talked to him a few times, he's definitely passionate about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, Steve. So uh, one of the things I noticed is that you did a cover of Down by the River by Neil Young, and you also played the Bridge School, which is pretty cool. I actually play in a Neil Young tribute band as well. Oh, so yeah. That's fun. Well, but one of the first things I learned how to play on guitar was the solo of, it was either Cinnamon Girl or Down by the River, the one note solo. Yeah, that's Down by the River. Yeah, Down by the River. And um, yeah, I did that on the banjo on that cover. So yeah, that was that, that, that meant, you know, you can't get away from the first things you learned when right. you played guitar. But yeah, that was, and playing the bridge school. Well, I, you know, that year, there was REM, there was Pearl Jam, everyone was acoustic. There was, uh, who else was there? Tracy Chapman. I was, of course, the least known, so I went first. But before Neil Young sang a couple songs, then he introduced me. So I get to say that Neil Young opened up for me. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's definitely a cool thing to have happen. I mean, just yeah. the fact that you even played that show was was great. I mean, associations with Neil. I mean, Neil is one of my faves. So. Oh, I know. And you know what? I'll say this: when I met him, he I saw you know from a distance he was coming to meet me in this lumbering big guy, and I was so nervous. You know, like you said, you can't get over your childhood crushes or you know love he was so sweet and nice and i was i was taken aback cool it's nice to hear that i mean i've heard other stories from i i, yeah. I worked with his road manager for a while who had worked with him for most of his life and he didn't he he had different stories to say well i'm sure he can be a, a tool but he was you know i'm playing his school and right 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 and his daughter, I guess, was a fan of mine. But, you know, I've been able to have relationships or know artists that have, like, cranky reputations. And right. they've been very nice to me. So I don't know what it is. You seem like a person that anybody would be nice to. You just seem like a happy, you know, perky person that it just kind of gravitates towards you. That pulls oh, it from I like to think that. I mean, I met Neil for a, a millisecond a couple of years ago, and he was he was fine. I actually had a story that I when I was sixteen or fifteen, I I stood next to him for about ten minutes, and I didn't even know it was him, and I didn't say a word to him. That's funny. And I had was actually trying to meet him that day too, and I and you didn't know that that was him. Yes, I didn't. Know, I literally stood shoulder to shoulder with him, like an inch apart from him here for like ten minutes, and didn't know it was him. We looked at each other and didn't say a word to each other. That's really funny. Yeah, it's that's that's one of my big big regrets. <laughs> so um, you had this other project that I, I heard a little bit of too was about a platypus, which I thought was kind of interesting. In the beginning when the world was young song of life had not been sung A platypus resting in a stream Began to dream He saw the river, the rocks, 
and the sky. He saw the sun began to cry. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. He swam down rivers flowing free. He wandered marshes by the sea. He crossed the desert parched and dry. He found a path, began to cry. Down deep into the mud, he floated on the full moon's flood. He dreamed of life and everything. He dreamed the animals could sing. I Across the land, leaving stories in the sand, leaving songs in every tree. All the places he could be, dreaming hollow, dreaming dale, dream until the night is filled. I'm rising in the eastern sky, dreaming you will never Musical theater, and that one was a while ago. The that was my first foray into theater called Prozac and Platypus, and that played at a couple theaters. And it was a little, uh, I wouldn't say avant garde, but it was it, it was re- it, it was really great. But since then, I've done a few, and right now I'm in the middle of three different musicals. One is in the fall in New York City. Uh, I'm going to be doing a show, and in it that I wrote, it's it's called Fuck 7th Grade. <laughs> well, F, you know, kind of like little pound sign, right. you know. Um, and I'm really proud of that one. And right now I'm in the middle, I'm going back and forth to Philadelphia. The, the school is putting on, we're uh, a reading of an uh, adaptation of Scarlet Letter called Crimson Lit, and it's really fun. It's kind of punky, and and um, there was another one, Times Square. So yeah, I I think in a 
weird way, it's kind of a natural turn of events. To, you know, being a storyteller of and, and musical theater is always it, it has evolved. It's not just jazz hands anymore. Right. Well, you seem to you seem to create characters, and a lot of your songs tend to be narratives of little stories. Which uh, it's it's interesting some of the little stories that you've come up with in your songs. One of the things I read is that you've compared to Warren Zevon, Harry Chapin, and I can see more of Randy Newman because of the the little quirks and the humor and, and some of the stuff. And um, I'll take all three. Yeah, that's what I, I read, and I could see that. Um, I mean, I love Warren Zevon and Harry Chapin. I was always a fan of Harry. I, I played with his daughter a couple of times and um, met Har- I met Harry back in the 70s. Nice guy. Wow. And Randy, well, too. I, Randy is... I'm a huge, 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 huge Randy Newman fan, and of course I love, you know, I op- I got to open up for the last two tours that Warren did. Oh, wow. That's great. So we, we, we became buddies. That's another one, you, you know, people got, you know, the curmudgeon, but he's the curmudgeon with the heart of gold, I felt. He was, uh, we had good time. Yeah, I can imagine it must have been. It, I was really sad when he died because I really liked his music. Yeah. And especially the way it went. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of a public death, too, is that he was going on the talk shows and recording and stuff. So you, you saw his decline, which was sad. Yeah, but you know what? He he was one of those artists that, you know, artists, you know, the, the traditional way of, you know, the, the, they're, as they're older, it's not, their stuff isn't as good as it used to be. He kept writing genius, and I think some of my favorite songs of his were either the last two records. Well, the song, I mean, that last, uh, uh, the song that he recorded, he just, he was so weak, he sat on the couch and recorded it. He just sat there and recorded, I think, did that one take. Um, what was the name of the song? Oh, it's the... Okay. What was that? No, no, no. I I gotta remember the title of it. It's in my head. Yeah, I I I've played the song many times. I can't remember what the heck the name of the song is though. It's the Don't Forget Me or Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I've I've played it many times. I can't believe I cannot remember what the name of that song is. That's what the fun of getting old is. <laughs> no, I like to say it's because there's just too much information and and our hard drive is full. It has nothing to do with our age. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. That sounds better. <laughs> I think my hard drive may need a little bit of a, what do you call it? Uh, I can't even think of what that means now. There's a term for defragging the hard drive. I think my hard drive needs to be defragged. Yeah, 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 me too, all the time. So, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I listen to a lot of music. You've got quite a lot of music to choose from. Um, what, what are you going to be covering in this show? You know what? I kind of wing it, tell you the truth. So, I, I, I it's a combination of, of, of uh, I don't have a set list. I just kind of feel it out of, of older songs and, and new songs and half-written songs. I mean, that's the joy of being solo. It's, you, you know, you can just wing it. You don't have to have a set list for, for a drummer, you know. And I don't like to plan. I don't like to plan because, you know, that makes me nervous. You know, whereas most people are like, they need to plan or else they'll get nervous. My plan, I I don't like to plan because I think I'm, you know, I I spend too much time. Oh, is this a better song or that a better song? I like to feel out the audience and see if like, oh, is it time for a ballad? Is it time for a new song? Or so that that's. That's kind of the joy, and I'd say about half the time, I'd say about 80% of the time that works, and then there's that other time, like, well, maybe I should have planned something, but... (laughs) 
you know, it makes it, it keeps me on my toes and it makes me, makes it more fun. True. So, uh, I saw that you did a, a thing with Julia Sweeney at one time. Oh yeah. The Jill and Julia show. We were just friends. And so we just, I invited her one time to come to my show and tell a story. Cause she's a, she does great monologues. Her, her one woman shows her. She's truly genius. Mm. And, um, she came and I thought, well, so we started, this is in Los Angeles, and we started, you know, mainly it was to hang out with each other, the Jill and Julia show. And uh, I'd sing, she'd tell a song, a story, and I'd somehow my song had to do something with her story. And, and we did it for, you know, off and on for a couple of years. And, and then, you know, we're still pals with Julia, you know. Damn, she's on two TV. She let her TV show career get in the way of our music career can you believe that <laughs> i know what a bitch <laughs> you have a lot of music and i noticed that you had a lot of music that was in tv shows and you did some work with nickelodeon as well i did a couple years of a show called unfabulous and um it was a um you know uh, uh emma roberts when she was a kid and it, it had to do with music and that was that was really fun to um you know i was on the road i remember so i did it with a couple friends and and i just remember our first time when we were doing the pilot show you know i we spent like three weeks you know not sleeping and doing all the cues there were like 40 cues and then when you hear it when the show is it's like hey why is that music so on the back i can't hear anything why is it so on the background <laughs> and then you learn to like repeat cues and you know uh Real, you know, but it was a really, it was fun, and it it was a different part of your brain, and and it's fun to do. But I I haven't really done soundtracks since then. One of the things I noticed is that you were you outspoken about your your depression, your dealings with depression. Oh yeah, that anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's never been severe, but it, you know, just enough to not have a fun day. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, I've been outspoken about a bunch of things in my life. When in my twenties, I had an eating disorder, and yeah, well, you know, it's what what person nowadays has not had those uh, bouts of, of depression or anxiety or something. Well, true. I mean, but we, you know, we wonder if it's if it's an innate chemical thing or if it's just the situation they're involved in. I mean, That's that is a that is a good uh, i mean it seems like i was everyone i know has still got that kind of you know the, uh, malaise from covid don't let us get sick don't let us get old don't let us get stupid all right just make us be brave and make us play nice And let us be together tonight The sky was on fire When I walked to the mill To take up the slack in the line I thought of my friends And the troubles they've had Keep me from thinking of mine 
and it smiles on the lake and causes the ripples in time. And I'm lucky to be here with someone I like to make it my spirit to shine. Don't let us get sick. Don't let us get old. Don't let us get stupid. All right. Just make us be brave and make us play nice. And let us be together tonight. Don't let us get sick. Don't let us get old. Just make us be brave and make us play nice. And let us be together tonight. Let us be together tonight. Were you doing live streams and stuff during that time, or you just. But my first year, I kind of had a good time, you know, but then, you know, it was like there was something exciting about it in a weird way. You know, you have to wash your food and and uh, people were excited to see Zoom shows. And then after a while, it's like, uh, I don't, you know, no one wanted it. It, it, that, that demand lessened. And, and it was it was kind of a lingering Delta and then Omicron. And that's when, you know, talking to some shrink friends of mine, they said that actually people kind of got more depressed. Mm, I believe it. Uh, in the later days of COVID. Well, it kind of wore on and it kind of got tougher yeah. to take. I mean, some people dealt with it better than others. And I mean, I didn't do any live streams. I just, I don't know, I just felt weird playing to a camera. <laughs> I kind of got into it in a weird way. I liked, well, I walked, I did house concerts, which I loved mostly. I liked, I liked the Zoom aspect. I liked to seeing what people were, what their artwork in their walls was, their, all their pets. There was something kind of fun. I liked doing, uh, I did songwriting classes, which was fun. So, you know, that, that, that was, it's, it's weird coming out. I, oh, what a life. <laughs> well, it, you know, it depends on your level of success, I guess, too, and how much you can actually live, live off of what you do. That's, that's the important part. Oh my God. Well, I'm telling all my, you know, my new theater friends, I have a theater agent. I go, you know, I'm moving on from the music industry into theater because it's so lucrative and they all laugh at me. So. <laughs> it's the worst, but it sure is fun. Well, you know, I guess you got to kind of be diversified and do as much as you can to keep yourself solvent. Yeah. 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 So do you just uh, do you fly around to your gigs, or you just drive around, or? Well, I flew to, I flew. No, oh, I'm sorry I, to keep you up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I fl I flew. To, it's not you, believe me. I know. I'm just I, kidding. I flew to, um, uh, you know, from L.A. Uh huh. Because that's a long drive. Yeah, that is. That's but like three days. And I'm gonna fly to Chicago. And then I'm going to uh, drive 
to Columbus and Pittsburgh and then um, fly to Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, I've got, I forget. I got to get, I usually have on the East Coast, I have a road manager. But on this trip and the one before in the South, I, I'm going by myself and I much, I much prefer to go with someone. Well, yeah, it's 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 good to have somebody to help you with things. Uh, I mean, my girlfriend helps me out at my gigs, and you know, it's good to have somebody to lean on and you talk to and be a constant in your life while you're doing things. Well, and I'm not. I don't like to drive. Oh well, that's yeah. I can see that. That it is a drag when you have to drive and show up at a gig. Yeah, it's not my favorite. And it's stressful. It's kind of you wind up and you get there and you're all tense just from traffic. I know. Ugh. Well, flying must be a little, I mean, you must carry that guitar on and just pop it in the overhead, right? Well, yeah, but usually this time I did, but usually I take it, uh, I have two guitars. So it's a big pain and it's a big pain in the ass indeed. Because mm, that, that, I've flown a couple of times and, you know, that can be a hassle with a guitar. They get to give, they give you a flack sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, 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 fly so much that I got and I uh, the priority of Delta so the thing is because I'm so paranoid about my guitars and and so I get on earlier it's mainly just to get on earlier so I get my guitar on right that's what's important to me well uh, you're going to be on the o- at the Odium on April 9th uh, I'm going to be at the Odium the Odium is a very I don't know if you've ever played there before I think I have once, but I don't remember. Well, this show has been postponed a couple of times. Right. So I'm not really, I know it was post. it was supposed to happen. I'm not sure if this was supposed to happen before the pandemic, but I know it, you, you were supposed to play a few months ago and that was postponed. And, and now we're going to have the show finally. Which I'm glad because, you know, finally... When I was doing some earlier shows, which I felt funny about, I'm not you know, people still weren't sure if they wanted to be out and go out. And, right. And to tell you the truth, if it wasn't my show, I would have not been that thrilled to go out. So I think now it's fine. It, it's better now, you know, than it been like two months ago, even where I think people are are apt to go out more. The Odium still had, well, I don't know if their policy is still in place, but they still had a, they had a, a pretty good uh, vaccination and mask policy in place. I'm not sure. A lot of people have relaxed it in the past week, so I'm not sure if it's it's been relaxed. But I played recent, most recently, I think was, uh, I played with Carla Bonoff a few months ago, and it was, it was, a, it was a good sized crowd. And, you know, people were, that was, I think it was in the late fall. And it was uh, people were were coming out, and I was a little apprehensive about that show. But it's um, things are getting better slowly. Oh, good. So the the Odium is a very nice place. I like the people there. I like the venue. So it should be a good show. Sound is good. I, the guy who does sound is excellent. I've I've worked with him many times. Oh, good. Well, well, I I'll be seeing you. I I hope so. Um. Well, uh, anything else you want to uh, throw into this conversation before we wrap it up? I know you've got a gig to get to and and chill no, out a little. I- it was delightful talking to you, and I think I'm uh, I'm just going to get ready. All right. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Okie dokie. Thanks to Jill Sobel for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Don't forget about our upcoming show at the Greenwich Odium on April 9th. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. Thanks for listening. Thank you.